Thank you for tuning in to The Arts Today. I'm Alessandra Angelini. The effects of this pandemic can be felt far and wide, and the dance and live arts industries take no exception to this fact. Over the last several months, we have seen the closures of various theaters, Broadway and dance companies, along with museums and art galleries. But against all of these odds, art prevails. Today, I have the honor of conversing with Annabel Lopez Ochoa, one of the world's most sought after choreographers. She has created works for over 65 different dance companies across the world, including San Francisco Ballet, Dutch National Ballet, Tulsa Ballet, Dance the Art of Harlem, and English National Ballet, to name a few. Annabelle, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Well, one of the first things I wanted to get into, um, and of course we want to talk about this pandemic, but I want to start off by saying, I'd be stating the obvious, if I were to say that this pandemic had, has had some kind of effect on most everybody's life. So in order to steer clear of obvious statements, let me ask you this. As a choreographer, I imagine you have an interesting view into many different aspects of the organizations you work with. I want to know how you have seen the effects of this continued global pandemic on the arts organizations and artists that you have worked with. It's a very broad question. Uh, yes, I was pondering about what did I notice? And I think that the outcry of artists organization towards society is that we are an integral part of the economy. Mm -hmm. It's easy to think that we're just a leftist sort of thought and it's, uh, you know, nice for rich people to uh, be entertained and go to the ballet, but actually, our organizations make that people go out, they go have dinner, they meet people, they have, see a show and then they have drinks. So they, they contribute, we contribute in the economy. Uh, that, that is one fold, what I've seen. Twofold, I think that also we feel, especially in this moment of distress and despair, because we don't really don't know when this pandemic will finish, is that we are giving something to the people. We're offering them, you know, entertainment, solace, uh, um, a way of, you know, reflecting on what is society, a way of reflecting on human nature and uh, human behavior. And that we feel that it does make a difference, especially when people are having a hard time. And, you know, I'm so... Um, you know, happy to see that all these, you know, organizations are doing all they can uh, to bring this art form uh, for less money in different ways to, uh, to the audiences. And it's not just a ma matter of like, you know, earning money, but what can we do as organization to our society? So that's, that's been beautiful to see actually. Yeah, no, and I think one interesting thing you bring up that, that strikes a chord with me is the financial, I think, the financial aspect of our work and kind of how we contribute to our economies, no matter what, and doing what we love to do. But really, we are contributing in a way that, you know, we really hope to put these, these arts out, these choreographies, these dances, to make people feel and reflect on where they are um, in society, which I think what better time to do that and why not right now? Um, I know it's been tough for me as a dancer just because it's so stop and start um, 
it feels like there's no clear path forward. Um, and that's something I think we've all been trying to fight with and find something to just go through with. Um, but I think we were talking and it's just impossible to make plans, impossible. Has that affected your work in any way? Yes, I mean, um, I usually had, you know, two seasons planned in advance. And I usually am very meticulous as to, you know, how I build up to a full length ballet. I start a year and a half in advance with research, finding music, costumes, set design. Uh, and that's come to a stop. And so other, you know, plans were made up, you know, in this pandemic and every time they had to be postponed. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned and what I <laughs> embraced is the, um, I think the Buddhistic side of this virus is that only today and now exists. What's yesterday, you have to let go. And what comes tomorrow, we don't know. So we cannot anticipate to what comes tomorrow. We can only accept and embrace what's coming now. And, uh, you know, and be happy. And I think I felt that with dancers, as, you know, the second wave is coming upon us. Um, how much longer can we perform? How much longer can we be in the studio rehearsing for, you know, a project in, in February? And every day is, is you know, uh, we're grateful for. So, yes, that's uh, the planning part is something that I had to let go. And, um, and you know, in all my dealings with contracts, I always say, are you sure you want to sign something? Shall we not wait till, you know, two weeks before the project starts? But somehow that's still ingrained in institution to have, you know, something signed. And, uh, you know, the force majeure has become, you know, what was a small paragraph at the end of a contract is now in the beginning. By the way, this can all not be happening if, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's healthy also to be in the now, um, like, you know, Eckhart Tolle, the power of the now, and that makes us more, yeah, grateful for what, what is, what there is and not what there is not. Yeah, no, and I think that brings an excellent transition. I've been dying to ask just maybe from my own point of view, but just embracing this sense of being present and in the now, no matter what the situation is, is really difficult, especially with high performance athletes who are pretty much all perfectionists that are craving to work and perform and all this kind of stuff. When all this stops, it's just completely jarring. I think we're left without, oh, what do I do now? It's just very unclear. So now that you are coming back a little bit and you are choreographing in different capacities, one of the things I wanted to ask is what are some of the, the differences in approach that you have seen in dancers now as opposed to six or seven months ago? So is it different working with them in the studio? Do you see a change in the way, you know, these dancers used to work? Uh, no, I think that dancers are always being, they've always been, you know, very um, disciplined. I think that there might be the realization that every run through might be the last run through. <laughs> As I was leaving, you know, Tulsa Ballet one week before the premiere of Vendetta, we had just finished everything. And uh, we had just heard from the governor that we were going from 100 people in the room into 10 people in a building. Uh, so that happened at, you know, one or two o'clock in the afternoon while we already had done and run the first act. 
we still had to do the second act and you could feel the vibration, the fear of, am I going to get this, you know, uh, virus? Are we coming back tomorrow? And they performed so well. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because of the fear that we might never do this again. So let at least go full on. So I don't know if, if that might change. I can't think for dancers or what's going on with them. Uh, I have seen some sad, you know, moments of, you know, people that could not finish in a grand finale because they were retiring. Um, what I'm noticing is a lot of female dancers are getting pregnant because they're feeling that during this pandemic, they're not missing out on too much casting lists. Um, you know, so uh, people that were injured are actually uh, happy that it happens now because now they have the time to recover. But at the same time, they know that recovering means that you have to work on it somewhere in a studio. So there, there's so many cases and so many um, point of views that I find it difficult as an outsider to say. I would rather ask you, have, do you feel a difference in how you were working or uh, embracing your art form as what you're doing now? Wow, yes. Um, yes, actually. And it goes back to you saying, you know, there's this vibe you sensed in that last run through of, wow, this could be the last, you know, or every time you go on stage or even every time we're even going into class now, it could be the last time for a very long time that we're able to do that. So I think, one of the things I can say I have at least felt from myself was, you know, coming back and trying to get into shape is really difficult because dance is hard. Um, I just think in general, it's very difficult to keep up the and maintain the shape you need for dance when you're not dancing. But also I just, once, once you get in shape, once I felt like I was in shape, it really did feel like, you know what, enjoy every single second of it. Um, and I really hope that's something that carries through not only for these next performances in the next few months, but also in the next few years, or maybe this translates into an artist's career. It's just something you feel more definite now than I think we did before, just because there were so many other distractions and life was a bit different, I think, before all of this happened. So, yeah. wow. Yeah, I mean, just reflecting. I think I will see the difference once we're back at it because, you know, I, I travel a lot and something that is universal with dancers because they're, they're always in groups and, you know, always tired, always busy and always tired, always complaining that they are tired and complaining about small details. And maybe they'll complain less and they'll embrace that they're tired because they're busy because when you're not busy and you're not tired, you get depressed. So, yes. Uh, Maybe they'll, it'll bring some perspective to dancers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just giving that feeling or knowing that the feeling of what you're doing is just, it's ever, ever fleeting. You know, we have to take advantage, advantage of it. Excuse me. Um, so I, I hope to see that as well carry through. One of the other things that I have had trouble wrapping my head around um, is it seems like no matter where we are in the world, it seems everyone's in a different place in regards to this pandemic in their societies. Um, unfortunately, where we are right now, um, where I am right now, it means, you know, our government has shut the state down again. Um, some counties have been shut down for two weeks, some for four weeks, and all of this has basically 
shut down every event venue, um, every theater, and for the most part, ballet companies cannot work as well. Um, it just brings me to the realization that we're moving in the direction where in-person performances, or at least we're in a position where in-person performances are not possible in the same capacity that they were in years before. Um, so how, how do you see this, the future of performances for this time in our lives? Um, is it through a digital format? Is it, you know, in person with some restrictions? What do you think? How can we do that to keep the integrity of this art form and still translate everything we want, you know, to the audience to feel? I think it's an interesting question because there are multiple possibilities. I see smaller companies like Wim Wim or Ballet X that go completely virtual and they really um, develop themselves as film, uh, dance film makers. So, but you know, you just have seven dancers. It's easy to have everybody tested and, you know, in quarantine for four days. It's e easy to have everybody in that movie. Um, and it's harder for bigger companies like the Dutch National Ballet. They really need, you know, they have this big stage and this huge uh, opera house to fill. And right now in Holland, we can only have 30 people coming to see a show, which is impossible at the Dutch <laughs> the Opera House. It would be ridiculous. Uh, so what they did was, you know, uh, record uh, the general rehearsal and with 30 people, which is, you know, just the staff, <laughs> basically. <Right. laughs> really good friends um but that doesn't that i don't think that that's going to be a substitute it is nice for your audience to uh, give them a recorded version of the show that they won't see but an artist grow because they perform over and over again and just this uh, one-time recording will not help the growth of the artists mm -hmm. it will help the institution it will help society to see art um, but I would prefer to see, you know, and I still don't understand why they don't do live streams, like it's happening for real and we're all at home actually seeing someone not really catching that pirouette or, you know, dropping them. It's, it's live performance. That's the, the, the excitement of it. And it's also the fact that you can see a few casts doing the same roles. So I would love to see that develop more uh, as the time, as long as we're waiting until it's safe to uh, come back to live performing. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to also see um, companies developing the uh, art of uh, dance film, which is really a different medium than dance on stage. And it's, it's, there's so much to develop there and there's so much, um, you can feel all these crowfers and, you know, their talents, their view on what dance can be and how we can tell stories. And, you know, I love telling stories. So I really have learned from doing those small dance films to, uh, um, to develop my craft as a storyteller. We're dealing all with one pandemic that's been amazing that we have this universal problem. But, you know, Hong Kong Ballet, with whom I also work, they just had, you know, 75% filled house and they did, you know, uh, Don't Cue just two weeks ago. So there's hope. There's hope that it's going to happen and maybe they'll go back in lockdown when we are releasing uh, here and there. So, yeah, I'm really putting all my hopes on that vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> People accepting to get the vaccine because that's the new problem we have now.
Yeah, yes, <laughs> that is unfortunately where we are in society. Um, but you said something really interesting, and I think just just talking about the different mediums of how these companies have been able to, you know, show their art and show their dancers and really engage their dancers and their audiences. Um, there really is no definitive way to do it right now is what I'm understanding. However, um, as I understand it, you've been involved with a, a couple different projects in this pandemic that, you know, maybe they were with different mediums and stuff like that. Are you finding that, you know, looking into these things into, let's say, dance film or even choreographing through Zoom, could these be future solutions to, to smaller problems or do they even have an effect on you and where you see your work going and how you do it? Uh, I think that choreographing through Zoom will definitely stay. Mm -hmm. It will remain for choreographers that, you know, need to pass by uh, five days before the premiere for a piece that already exists. You can just zoom in and, you know, it, it doesn't, it will never be a substitute for the real thing for being there with the dancers because you know you don't really see their faces you don't you know you don't feel them the same way but you know ecologically financially health-wise i mean you know a jet lag is really not good for for your health so i would not have to deal with going from one side to the other side of the world uh, so it's definitely a medium that i might keep uh, as a clause in you know a paragraph in my contract in which capacity am I going to come? For real? Through Zoom? Through uh, videos? I don't know. So that's uh, that's definitely something that I will embrace. Yeah, well, I mean, especially with someone who's as busy as you and who works as much as you. I mean, that seems like you're on a, it seems like from the outside looking in, you would have to be on a plane between every single performance of every company you work with. Um, so that is kind of a nice comfort to know that, well, maybe this will stay. <laughs> Oh, it will stay. I am for certain that it. Now you're stay. making it stay. <laughs> so I know a lot of the choreographers that instead of you know passing by three days, well, they're already you know like a Christopher Wilden that is on Broadway uh, working on something, and he has to like fly in to see the Joffrey Ballet for two days and say, yeah, good guys. You know, he he could you know with the equipment and the investment that companies are doing right now to uh, to be you know working during the pandemic, this equipment. Uh, could remain after the pandemic and could be used to our, you know, comfort. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would, I would hope something good comes from Zoom just because I think it's caused me so much frustration over the pandemic, but it's good to know that there are actual uses for it um, outside of online meetings. <laughs> You Zoomed, uh, you know, you Zoomed in for a ballet class while you were in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's not the same as when you're, you know, in, in the studio. And I guess, you know, I think the uh, internet companies are developing even better ways of getting the internet to be flawless. And Zoom is working on developing their app to be even more flawless. And yeah, there's a future there for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see jet lag in your future, or at least as much jet lag. <laughs> Um, I want to ask also, um, just through all of these different mediums that you've had to experience and experiment with, um, and I think I'm more interested in dance film, I think, 
I haven't really seen a whole lot of dance film, you know, at least in in the capacity that I've seen in the recent months. And it's fascinating because really with a camera, you have this whole new medium, um, a whole different dimension to work with. Um, how has that been as a choreographer, just to work with the dancers and then also work with the camera and you know all the approach to what do you want the camera to see? Does that also play into how you normally choreograph without the camera? Definitely. I mean, the first thing that I did when I did my very first film that was for the uh, Opera of Oslo, those two dancers had approached me to do a, a duet for them because they were retiring. Um, I showed it to a cameraman, a filmmaker here in Holland. And everybody was, you know, very uh, speaking highly of that video, except him. He wasn't so impressed. <laughs> he said it's it's a dance piece that I would be able to see on stage so it's not film you have to add something some magic of the film language which is you know the perspective of the camera but also the chronology also you know uh, adding the images that has nothing to do with the dance uh, details that I would never see on stage and so with each film I would send it to him to get his uh, his input and there's still so much that I want to, you know, stop motions, reverse, all these things. I mean, I edit also my own work, so I know what a Final Cut Pro can do. And it's a millions of possibilities. And the artist to choose what is the style that you want for each film. Um, so, yes, I'm still, you know, planning on making a lot of uh, short dance films just to learn. And as long as everybody's stuck in their you know, homes and are not busy 22 hours a day, it leaves me a few uh, uh, yeah, moments with dancers willing to, uh, to experiment um, and to learn the, yeah, the media, the way of communicating our art form to the audience. Because I've noticed that I would watch you know, dance pieces uh, archival footage of dance pieces and not being able to remain focused on it. I would just stop the video and go have a snack or think I'll watch it later. And I felt so awful towards my own art form and towards, you know, the colleagues that were on my screen. Mm -hmm. So I think that what companies have, you know, companies have noticed that themselves and that later they will also think of a cinematographic way of recording their own work so that in case there's another pandemic because we know that it's not going to be the last one they'll be more ready to give some more high quality footage to their audiences thinking about watching archival footage also puts me to sleep i mean it's filmed from one zoom perspective it, the camera never moves we're literally just watching the dance um and i, I feel like there's more to be done to it you know I, even if it is as simple as okay it is an archival video or something like that but if it is something that can be shown and carried and really can be a uh, um a snapshot of where we are right now for people later on to see i feel like that that would be amazing, you know, just to experiment with those things. I think it's, uh, you know, this pandemic could be a great moment for dancers right now trying to um, practice and, and discover if filmmaking or archival footage, cinematographic footage 
of uh, the repertoire if that would be interesting for them you know to get the camera by the company and say can i record this and see if i can edit and see if we can tell the same story or something a bit more interesting than just standing camera in the middle uh, i think that would be amazing if dancers could do that and discover how they can sell their art form in a better way Yeah, and that's something also we have seen so much of, you know, just the response of the dance community worldwide. And, you know, I mean, within, what, two weeks of this pandemic starting, there was online ballet classes that lasted up until, I believe, last month. And you can still go on YouTube and look up all of those classes. So really, the, the response from the dancers to uphold that um, element of their artistry, of their training and stuff was admirable, but then taking it to the next level, I think um, that would be interesting to see as well. Um, one of the things I also am fascinated by is, I mean, it must look completely different no matter where you go. Um, everywhere is a little bit, you know, different. America, we're not doing so well with the pandemic. Europe starting to not do so well with the pandemic as well. Um, it can be really difficult to, to find the motivation, I think for me personally, to, to keep going sometimes and just say, okay, well, you know, today we know for sure that we're in the studio, but tomorrow we don't know. So like, eh, it's really hard to motivate yourself that way. How? Because I imagine for you, it's the same. I mean, when am I going to get to choreograph again? Or am I going to get to be in the studio doing an in-person performance again or something like that? It can be very similar. What are some of the, what keeps you moving forward in that um, respect? That at my age, I know that nothing is forever. Mm. So everything is ephemeral and we just have to be patient and one day in 10 years with a cocktail, we'll be talking about, remember the 20s? <laughs> the roaring 20s of the pandemic. You know, it's, it's, we will look back at this time. It's just right now we're in the middle of it and we don't know if it's going to last a year, two years, or it's going to be over in two months. So it's, it's the fact that we're impatient and it's been such a stop to the fast train where we were in right before um, this whole pandemic, I would just hear people having so many projects, me included. I think it's, it's, you know, if it had happened 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been that dramatic. Right now, it's just people were so busy and, um, and it's going to go over. We just have to keep the faith and be, you know, hopeful and, yeah. and be patient and persevere and use that time to reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for some people that means that, well, yes, this should be the end of my career because actually I wasn't that passionate or, um, yeah, develop other skills. There's nothing wrong with that. Every dancer anyway has to develop other skills at some point. So this is a good moment to go into the books and go online and see what else, you know, keeps your, uh, you know, makes your heart beat faster. Um, so yeah, it's, it's trying to, I've painted my entire house and I'm still busy, for example. Um, I only had five weeks of doing nothing, I have to say, from the whole pandemic at the very beginning. Wow. And then since then, I've always been busy to the point that at some point I said, okay, I need 
of five days holidays because I was doing movies all over the world with, you know, something in, in Russia and I had to wake up at 2 a.m. And then something, with, you know, with Tulsa Ballet until 1 p.m. So, uh, yes, it, it's, it's been a busy time for me in a different way, but it's been busy. And, of course, I'm hoping that whatever was going on, I'm doing a lot of, you know, full-length ballet and that has been impossible to make. And the next coming up is in Uruguay. Uh, in January and Uruguay is doing quite well with the pandemic. So I'm crossing my fingers and toes and nails and everything that can be crossed. And I hope that, that it can happen, but yeah, me included, I will have to be patient and it's not going to last forever. Everything has an ending. Absolutely. And also I have to applaud you for only having about what a short period of time off this entire pandemic. That's, amazing i mean to the to the point where you need to take time off it's like working a normal schedule i feel like that's something a lot of us are unfamiliar with as of right now so that's that's amazing but it brings me to wonder and i don't this is just a, a curiosity of mine and something i've been trying to ponder over the last few months is um i feel like Art in general has very specific eras, very specific tones that come with the, the pieces that come from those eras and those times and those time periods. Um, and I feel like dance is no different. I, I mean, we're seeing a surge of more contemporary dance. And, you know, of course, we want to do full length ballets and classical ballets, but it's more about versatility now. Um, and I can't help but feel that right now, we're not in a different era, but we are in a sub era, um, which is interesting because it needs to be defined somehow. Is it defined more by the ingenuity of the dancers, the company and the choreographers as one moving forward and working with this situation? Or is it more defined and characterized by the individual's drive and the individual's motivation? Yeah, I think that, like I said, this pandemic is universal. We all in the entire world have the same problem, maybe at different timings, but we're all dealing with being stuck at home, being scared, meeting our families, being scared, not having, you know, a mask, uh, touching things. I remember I would clean everything as I came home. And I don't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, but I think. Um, we're going to look back at this period as something that changed. And it's another thing that changed us much more during this pandemic is the Black Lives Matter. And uh, I feel that because we were stuck home and feeling the universal uh, problem that we had, that we all black and white and brown people thought something has to change. And I'm seeing much more from the dancers that they start looking at the institution as in, is my organization not also having systemic racism without knowing it? Uh, shouldn't we call them upon that? Should we not do something about it? I see much more on social media. It started with, look at me taking my ballet class to now look at what is happening in the world. This person, you know, uh, posts about the Black Lives Matter, posts about the election and what fake news is. Um, 
realizing that everything we do on social media is is a creation of our persona and that we were all playing with it to have the best angle and i remember the duck fish a couple of years ago <laughs> this and that now we see that uh, social media has actually uh, empowered people we don't want them to be empowered like you know trumpism that that has become almost a cult i think that is very much going on in the arts and in artists right now that they're seeing and we see it through our screens what is happening in the world and we empathize with what is happening in the world and i think this pandemic because we're in this you know it's not happening in america or in africa or in asia it's happening everywhere and whatever happened like with black lives matter also had repercussions here we are seeing big changes in uh you know tv industry uh in our industry in dutch national ballet i'm seeing already you know other faces representing and not just the dancers represented but also people in the office and uh, discussions between you know the artistic staff and the dancers about this problem so i think that's i I find that a positive side of our pandemic, it has united us to really look at what is happening and what we could do and that we should not wait till the establishment changes something. We can make a change. We have to, you know, us individuals. Absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, with the events that have happened over the course of this summer, over the course of this year, the social discourse, and honestly, lots of terrible controversial events. I mean, what it forced us to do in this time of the absence of our careers and the absence of our normal routines, we are forced to see these things and understand them for what they are. And I think as a, as a product of that, we are seeing a lot of younger people, younger dancers, younger artists, I mean, standing up for the change they want to see in their own companies, in their own lives even. And I just think this is, it's interesting. I've never seen this consciousness of like, okay, now that we've seen how this is working on the grand scheme, let's turn the mirror inward on our organizations, on our industries and see if we can be more progressive, if we can make a better more culturally, not only diverse, but healthy industry for everyone as well. And that's something that, I mean, we're seeing in spades right now. And I am really happy you brought that up because it's, it has been incredible to see even as a dancer. Um, yeah, no, seriously, just there's, <laughs> and this, this can be a side note, but I, I do believe there has been so, so much work being done in, in the efforts for a more equitable industry and uh, career field, which I really hope to see um, benefit people in the long run. Because of course these things, they take so long and I mean, change doesn't happen overnight, yes, but if we can actively contribute to that change and actively you know, be that change that we want to see, I really do believe we can leave a better industry for everyone else that is to come. Um, I think in that- the uh, healing process is acknowledging that there is a problem. Um, already you can see, you know, with the, uh, the elections, it is very, the countries and not just America, also Holland, everywhere, we're very divided. 
and we have to be able to listen to the, the extremes. Why are these extremes happening? What is that? And I don't have the answer. You know, I'm not a sociologist person, but there is, what, what is it that does so much? What is it? Is it the loss of faith, the loss of God? I don't know, because, you know, we'll play our own God, we'll create ourselves, we will, you know, and creating, you know, it's like the, the book Homo Deus, uh, that, that book, I don't know if you, you read it, it's, um, it's about the fact that we are afraid of death and therefore we try to extend our lives and therefore we play God because what do we do? We use science to extend our lives, but also we uh, use, you know, cosmetic surgery to look younger, to be able to, to remain longer active in society and all of this and now this you know social media gives you all kinds of filters so that you can look younger and you can create a persona that people are going to believe but you're not that person it's a scary shit man <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself out <laughs> <laughs> that, that was between us <laughs> But I, I do think there is something to be said, you know, all of these all of these changes that are happening because of everyone being more conscious and waking up to what's going on around them. I really I'm interested to see how that happens and how that is projected in the arts world. Um, in your opinion, I know I didn't write this question down, but in your opinion, I mean, what are some of the things we should do to prepare and expect and transition into a more healthy, more societally healthy, culturally relevant industry for everyone? I think we can only start by um, going into conversation, to dialogue. Obviously, you know, an arts organ organization is working by the sake of hierarchy. You will, there's always will be, there will always be a director making the last decision. You can come up with ideas, suggestions, complaints, but you know, it's, I feel that sometimes dancers like to, their dialogue is only complaints and they are really not aware of what is all being done for them to just be in that studio. So it would be nice also if the dialogue is directors explaining what is at stake or what they all have to do for them to just get a salary of one month and come up with the numbers and say, do you realize that? As much as then to say, hey, uh, you know, their daily complaints, hey, the, the floor is slippery or this, or it's too cold or my muscles or, you know, uh, I don't know, all of that. I think dialogue is, is an important beginning of the health process. Mm -hmm. healing process sorry absolutely um yeah i just i i hope we can heal soon uh there's a lot of division like you said lots of opposition and i hope we can overcome that in order to heal and to change and to communicate with each other because that's the basis of where we can form change is just by communicating um I don't want to continue to drone on with my thoughts that aren't coherent or whatnot. I, I do want to ask you though, um, for all of us listening, young dancers, young artists, people my age, still young, um, what are some words of wisdom? What is something if, if you could impart to us um, to carry through our, our weeks, our days, our careers even, um, in just the way we do things? 
Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be my words different than if there wouldn't be a pandemic, you know. Uh, I think that everything, all the work and care and the passion you give into your work will pay off. But we have to do it unconditionally. You have to be generous with the work you do towards your body, towards your art form, and it'll come back. And maybe it's not instant next week premiere, but it makes you, it, you know, growth goes on. And even if that means that the growth is about reflecting more and having to spend more time in your kitchen doing batmas and knocking off your plates out of the table. Um, so yeah, keep, keep the work because it's going to come back in a way or another. And, you know, perseverance is something that you have to practice also. And what you won't use as a dancer, you will use in your next career. And perseverance will be something, you know, discipline will be something that you've trained already as a dancer. Absolutely. Well, keeping keeping the discipline, right? <laughs> oh my God. I just I wanted to say thank you so much for answering the questions and dealing with me and trying to, you know, I do all of this podcasting through Zoom. Like it's a lot. So really thank you so much for your patience with me. <laughs> You're welcome, Alessandro. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Arts Today. Our guest today was Annabelle Lopez Ochoa, to whom I owe a huge thank you for agreeing to be my first guest. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends and family. If you'd like to keep up with us on social media or suggest topics for future episodes, follow our Instagram at The Arts Today and feel free to send a message. We hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. <laughs>